I regret nothing. The end. Ron Swanson, the scotch-drinking libertarian walrus, is beloved by audiences of Parks and Recreation and beyond. But what makes him so appealing, even to viewers who probably wouldn't agree with much of what he says in real life? When I walked in this morning and saw the flag was at half-mast, I thought, all right, another bureaucrat ate it. Ron is a mix of three key myths that underpin our culture – the manly man, the authentic libertarian, and the wise elder. And even as the show pokes fun at all these myths through Ron's more cartoonish behavior, it comforts us with the knowledge that he's a good, trustworthy person. You are a wonderful person. Your friendship means a lot to me. Parks and Recreation started airing in 2009, and a lot has changed since, as our culture has collectively grappled with how glorifying traditional masculine traits can foster misogyny, how libertarianism can be a front for policies that favor corporations and elites, and how young people are increasingly distrustful of their elders as they inherit daunting climate and economic crises. But Ron is a friendly, often silly, idealized version of these values. He's the kind of actual manly man whose rules for himself are cute and don't hurt anyone. Crying. Acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon. The kind of true blue libertarian man who lives what he says. Am I interrupting something important? Impossible. I work for the government. And the kind of eccentric elder who makes lore of the past feel fun, maybe a little weird, but ultimately harmless. After I got home, I drank six more glasses of whiskey, and then I finished crafting this small harp." In short, Ron's a personification of a certain past, a guy who might have existed sometime in the 19th century, but probably only ever existed in our imaginations. In our Trumpian era, some of the ideas Ron espouses are at the very center of intense political rifts in our society. I believe luck is a concept invented by the weak to explain their failures. And so you'd think this often incorrect character's popularity might be waning, at least among younger, more liberal-leaning audiences. But Ron remains as loved as ever, with supercuts of his best lines still gaining millions and millions of views. And perhaps this is because, in the midst of controversy surrounding much scarier versions of some of his ideas, Ron appears an even more comforting dream. His likability and honorability reassures us that we can still find a common humanity with those who have different beliefs. Here's our take on Ron Swanson, vintage superhero, and how he makes it seem possible to feel safe and hopeful about the world, even when we don't all agree. This video was written by friend of the take, Anya Formozova. If you liked the ideas here, you can check out her channel, Q22, for more interesting cultural insights. Ron Swanson is a walking catalog of traditionally masculine traits, magnified a thousand times over. I call this Turf and Turf. It's a 16-ounce T-bone and a 24-ounce porterhouse. Also, whiskey and a cigar. He is stoic, allergic to emotions. Keep your tears in your eyes where they belong. He loves steak and Lagavulin, has a legendary appetite, and his only weakness is women, specifically women named Tammy, including his two ex-wives. He has the self-sufficiency of a classic Gary Cooper-esque Western hero and a Ralph Waldo Emersonian self-reliance. He's a cartoonish bundle, almost a parody of the manly man's signature traits, but crucially without his worst, most beastly fangs. The myth of the self-sufficient masculine protector, who would never hurt anyone except the bad guys If anyone ever tried to hurt you, I'd kill them is as increasingly critiqued in today's culture for its darker flip sides. Yet Ron's masculinity actually never harms anyone. 
Ron's ruggedness, hard living, and emphasis on his own virility might recall classic masculine writers like Ernest Hemingway, Henry Miller, or Norman Mailer, but Ron is a supportive best friend to progressive feminist Leslie, while Mailer famously wrote and spoke against the women's movement and stabbed one of his wives. We all know that I, that I stabbed my wife many oh, years ago. But Henry Miller, in his way, Norman in his, and Manson in his far-out mad way are each reflecting a hatred of women. Ron's masculinity also doesn't result in any bias in how he treats others. Come on, Leslie, you know I'm not sexist. I love powerful women. And he garners our respect because he's not full of BS. He's actually highly skilled at numerous crafts like woodworking and is even a secretly amazing musician. From what I've heard about Duke, he's kind of a private guy. He doesn't want his nosy co-workers discussing his music with him or knowing that he exists. So he embodies classic elements of the virile man with sensitivity and soul, expressed in suitably cool and masculine arenas. Ron's legendary and farcical masculinity reminds us of another mythical man, action movie star Chuck Norris. In the mid-aughts, a meme caught on that consisted of satirical jokes about Norris's unreal badassery. Chuck Norris doesn't read books, he stares them down until he gets the information he wants, and The Matrix once had to take the red pill to escape from Chuck Norris. It failed. Some of Ron's one-liners follow the Norris joke template. Really? You're not scared to eat here? When I eat, it is the food that is scared. There's humor in the hyperbole, but also in the way these jokes can be read as exposing a fundamental absurdity in our culture's straight-faced ideas of how to be a real man. Like that you basically have to be superhumanly strong. I have cried twice in my life. Once when I was seven and I was hit by a school bus. And then again when I heard that little Sebastian had passed. Another source of the humor around Ron is that this ultra-virile, mythically masculine guy isn't in an action movie or a Hemingway novel. As the Chuck Norris of local government, Ron, with his toughness and anti-communal principles, can be awkwardly out of place in normal life. I never say anything that another person is obviously trying to get me to say. My first wedding ceremony took two hours, because after the priest said, repeat after me, I fell silent. Ron holds himself to an intensely strict set of rules about what's acceptable man behavior and what's not, but much of the humor of his writing is pointing out how arbitrary or silly these standards are. I prefer quality over flash. That's why I refuse to write my signature in cursive. There are multiple storylines in which Ron is deathly ill, but too manly to seek help. Ron, you've been sweating in here all day. Are you drinking any fluids? Yes, plenty. According to co-creator of Parks and Rec, Michael Shore, the breakthrough plotline that helped the writers figure out the essence of Ron was the one in which Ron gets a hernia and refuses to admit he's hurting. I have a hernia. I've had it for a while. And I've been ignoring it successfully. When Ron says, I was born ready. I'm Ron Swanson. It's right before April wheels him out of the office to go to the hospital. So Ron's attempt to live up to his self-imposed impossible standards puts him in a lot of totally unnecessary pain. It's foolish, but oddly endearing, rendering his hyper-masculinity surprisingly cute. I would rather bleed out than sit here and talk about my feelings for 10 hours. In his insistence on maintaining his masculine image no matter what, Ron is reminiscent of another legendary TV man, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. In principle, there's a lot to dislike about Barney's misogynistic behavior. Wait, where's Barney? Yet, like with Ron, Barney works non-stop to be the ultimate womanizer with an earnesty and zeal that weirdly make him lovable. 
Due to the flashbacks revealing that Barney started out as a sweet idealist, we also understand that being a player isn't his nature. Joining the Peace Corps with you is going to be legendary. I know. <laughs> Only five short weeks till we're down in Nicaragua. The rules of behavior Ron and Barney uphold are socially dictated, and Ron and Barney expend enormous energy to live up to those ideals that they have internalized will make them real or awesome men. Another reason for Barney and Ron's appeal is actually that they're two-dimensional. Ron is a great character, but he has his shtick and not much character development, at least in the first few seasons. Barney's likewise a cartoonish character with an almost superhuman energy and stock catchphrases. It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. Who even moves like a cartoon sometimes. This flatness is what lets Barney and Ron serve their thematic purpose of being a light-hearted satire of masculinity. We are living in a time when masculinity is being reevaluated, as we acknowledge that the flip side of stoicism can be aggression or emotional disconnection, and an adoration of women can become dehumanizing objectification. Hey, so you know how I've always had a thing for half-Asian girls? Ron and Barney as cartoon mascots for respectively patriarchal values and toxic masculinity let us digest these fraught topics while laughing about them and still feeling allowed to like or empathize with the person living inside all these myths. If Ron and Barney become more three-dimensional characters, it's harder to laugh at their antics, and they have to change into nicer or more correct people to stay likable, in the process losing that edge or tension that made them interesting. It's why character development arguably ruins Ron. In later seasons, Ron's personality does a complete 180. In season 5, he settles down with a reasonable partner, Diane, and becomes a family man, even though he used to insist that he pretty much doesn't want anything to do with anyone. Having you and the kids in my life has made me a different person. And in season 7, he actually tries to return to government work, which he hates. I was gonna ask you for a job. In the federal government. Just saying it out loud feels dirty. You missed your friends, and you wanted to come up to the third floor and work with us again. The How I Met Your Mother writers had more success with showing a conflicted or more feeling side to Barney. They gave him an origin story of getting his heart broken and suiting up that added a sympathetic motivation and fragility to his character without humanizing him too much since the backstory is still cartoonish. And when Barney goes into the deepening phase, developing feelings for Robin, we see how there's a fundamental tension between his real love for Robin and the person he basically is, who's not satisfied with a traditional relationship. Two awesomes cancel each other out. I'm tired of being canceled out. Even after the two marry, he again reverts back to his womanizing self. It's the same tension that Mad Men dealt with in a more dramatic light for masculine icon Don Draper. Even if we saw him try to reform or get in touch with his feelings, the essence of the character viewers came for was pathological, womanizing Don. Ron is a staunch libertarian who believes in individual responsibility and a free market with minimum government interference. My dream is to have the park system privatized and run entirely for profit by corporations. Like Chuck E. Cheese. He thinks capitalism is God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. Ron is a foil for Leslie. He offsets her enthusiasm for the good of government services by being staunchly anti-government. 
As a send-up of the extreme libertarian, Ron used to poke fun at political opinions the show disagrees with, but at the same time, in moments, he emerges as a surprisingly appealing counterpoint to Leslie's more government is always better outlook. Through Ron, the show lampoons the way hyper-capitalist principles, when taken to the extreme, just stop making sense. The whole point of this country is if you want to eat garbage, balloon up to 600 pounds, and die of a heart attack at 43, you can. You are free to do so. To me, that's beautiful. Or how nonsensical patriotism can be when taken to the same extreme. And I will spend the day getting to know London's history. History began on July 4th, 1776. Everything before that was a mistake. For Ron, the personal is always political, and every attempt at political correctness or regulation is a personal affront. Child labor laws are ruining this country. He hates socialism so much that he's basically opposed to sharing. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Don't teach a man to fish and you feed yourself. And loves individualism so much he prefers, at least in theory, to never get close to people or disclose anything about himself to anyone. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. John Don wrote that no man is an island, but Ron Swanson tries his best to prove him wrong. In the process, he ends up showing us the practical limits of libertarianism. Ron has trouble living his politics in the real world. He hates the government, but works for the government. His rationale is that he can sabotage the department from the inside, yet beyond dragging his feet, we don't really see him pulling off much major undermining. I'll make sure you don't have to go to any meetings. If anyone comes to see you, I'll scare them away. Wait, April, if you had to choose between these two ties, you're hired. So however much you can believe in every man for himself, the fact is you probably have to work somewhere and live within a country with a government, which will involve interacting with and relying on other people. On the other hand, Ron's disgust at the ineptitude, inefficiency, and absurdities he sees in the system around him isn't always unwarranted or unrelatable. Ron also has one very big thing in common with your typical beleaguered 21st century person. He hates his job. Well, I would rather work for Chuck E. Cheese. For all that the show roasts Ron's often nonsensical ideas, Parks and Rec also shows us that the libertarian maxims of pure personal responsibility and self-sufficiency can have a certain nobility if one actually tries to live them authentically. Ron's lifestyle seems rather beautiful. He knows what makes him happy and never seems lonely or unfulfilled. He's focused and multi-talented at a surprising number of crafts, general outdoorsmanship, and can fix any appliance. But I won't be hiring an attorney. I'll represent myself, as I do in all legal matters and livestock auctions." His freedom from the stresses of modern society might remind us of Dwight from The Office. Though Ron seems a lot more competent than Dwight, both characters' lifestyles maintain an improbable connection to the past and a freedom from modern stresses that's charming to behold. As evidenced by the takeoff of the TikTok cottagecore aesthetic, Ron is basically living the dream of many young people today, working with his hands, enjoying assorted, fulfilling hobbies, and blissfully avoiding modern worries and the stifling grasp of large institutions. Don't trust big banks or small banks. Most entertainment media tends to be left-leaning in its values, so on the surface, Ron, as one of the few likable right-leaning characters on TV, might appear like a hero for the right. But in reality, Ron is a bridge, part of his appeal in our ever more polarized society is that, like classic libertarianism, Ron combines aspects of both left and right politics in their extreme. 
Ron believes, like the radical right, in a completely free market with no oversight. The free market is a jungle. It's beautiful and brutal and should be left alone. But he also believes in personal freedom and self-reliance to a degree that, unlike most conservatives, he's probably not going to support aggressive anti-drug laws or law and order. And he doesn't believe in inherited wealth. Upon my death, all of my belongings shall transfer to the man or animal who has killed me. I will leave my children $50 apiece for the cab home from my funeral and a steak dinner. While he's pro-capitalist like a conservative, his lifestyle is far more than most liberals an anti-consumerist model of sustainability. In reality, most of us probably feel somewhere in the middle, and Ron helps us reconcile the two views. His character is a vehicle for mocking old-fashioned values, but also indulging in a little nostalgia. You can't hack into a typewriter. That's all I have to say. In a 2016 interview, Schur said there have been a couple people who've tweeted things about how Ron would love Donald Trump, but he believes these people fundamentally misunderstood who Swanson is. Actor Nick Offerman said Ron would disapprove of Trump abandoning business for politics. My life has been shaped by powerful women. If anything, Ron's unique mix of beliefs, the way he's not reduced to a simple either-or, but has his own complex political identity, is in itself refreshing amidst today's flattening and vicious us-or-them environment. The third trope that Ron embodies is the wise elder character, often found advising the protagonists of Disney and sci-fi movies. Think Pocahontas's tree granny, Grandmother Willow, the ghosts of Mulan's relatives, Yoda, Moana's grandma, Merlin, or Rafiki. Yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Like these mentors, Ron is a creature of the past. He's a carrier of the wisdom of older generations. It's not just a hunting trip. It's a tradition. Like them, Ron often finds the problems plaguing those around him trivial. He's indifferent to, if not contemptuous, of novelties. There will be no video games. There will be no internet pads. The protagonists have to seek out their mentors. Ron is similarly static. People mostly come to him. It's a running joke that he avoids interactions as much as possible, which is why he appreciates April's antisocial instincts. Ron, you have to help me. Chris is making me do some stupid management training leadership course. Can you get me out of it? Yes. Like the wise elder, Ron has strong principles and a unique view of the world. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. But the classic wise elder's advice can be vague, constituting broad philosophical ideas which end up helping the characters arrive at a deeper truth. All around you are spirits, child. If you listen, they will guide you. By contrast, Ron's counsel is often weirdly specific and not especially helpful, and he shares it spontaneously when no one's asking. And I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed-up world of local government. So again, as something of a parody, he fits more into the eccentric mentor category. We're living in a time when younger generations are increasingly disillusioned and angry with older generations who let the climate and economic crises worsen while hogging power and prosperity. Plus, as society and technology evolve quickly, older people in power are often out of touch and unable to respond to or regulate problems they don't understand well enough. How do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? 
Senator, we run ads. But we do have a fictional character who can give us reassuring emotional support to make us feel safe. Ron Ulysses Swanson. He's honest, incorruptible, and has zero interest in hoarding power or money. Like with everything he does, as a mentor, he makes a concrete, positive impact through dedicated work on the individual level. He sees April's potential and lets her feel comfortable expressing her true personality. He supports Andy's decision to go to college and gives him apt personal insights. If you're going to take a college course, Andrew, you should explore a new subject, broaden your horizons. It's important that Ron is childless during the first five seasons of the show because it frees him up to be a strange father figure to his co-workers and to us. Every year, I give Leslie the same present I give everyone, a crisp $20 bill. In today's world, intense polarization has become so widespread that some feel it's wrong to even be friends with people who don't share your values. But Parks and Recreation's friendship between Leslie and Ron centers on this very idea that people who don't agree on anything can still appreciate, admire, and love each other. That's what you do when you care about someone. You support them, win, lose, or draw. Ron proves that eternal truth that people aren't always what we expect, and ultimately, the proof of who we are is in what we do and how we carry out our beliefs in the world. Well, I am usually not one for speeches, so goodbye. This is the take on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Thanks for watching, and don't forget to subscribe.